Welcome to Next Level Greatness, the podcast. Around here, we'll be talking about all things expansion, going from good to great and from great to greatness. I'm your host, Barbie Collab. Get ready for your next level. Let's do this. Welcome to Next Level Greatness, the podcast. Today, I have a very special treat for you. My dear, dear friend of over, I think over 12 years, Alta Lainez, she is a spiritual healer and a hypnotherapist. She has served thousands of clients, and she is here today, I just got goosebumps, to talk with us about masculine and feminine energy around money. Welcome, my dear friend. How are you? Oh, thank you for that introduction. You are so loving and such a light and a powerhouse mentor, you know, just leader in so many different lanes. And I'm honored. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being with us. Let's jump right in. We know that there is a certain energy that we have to have in order to be magnetic with money. Honestly, prior to you, yes, at Tony Robbins, when I went to this event, I discovered what, you know, being in your feminine and your masculine is, what that meant. But really with you, we had so many beautiful discussions around masculine energy, feminine energy, and you guys... Being around Alta, to me, you are like the divine feminine and the embodiment of the divine feminine. You're just so feminine. And so I couldn't think of a better person to come and chat with us. So what exactly is masculine energy, feminine energy, and how does that relate to money? Yeah, absolutely. Well, one, I think one of the reasons, speaking of like masculine and feminine, I've always admired your ability to supersede in any industry that you've set your mind to. And you have this level of desire to be excellent at what you do. And I think part of the deep reason of which, you know, you've had that ability to to grow is because you've actually deeply harnessed a lot of the masculine energy with success, which is, I believe, fully necessary. Within that, there's, I think, masculine energy. You know, when we're looking subconsciously and we're thinking about unconscious programs, the left side of our brain is the masculine energy, which is that analytical part, which is the lines to how it is that we operate. There's the control aspect that comes in with the left side of our brain, which is masculine. The left side of our brain also provides skepticism within reason. It's necessary. When we think of the opposite nature, that feminine part of our brain, of our body, of our being, that feminine nurture has the point of seed possibility. It's the illumination, the ability to have the imagination and to operate from points of possibility and looking at things with color. The masculine energy is very black and white. It's lined and it's very calculated. And so when we're thinking about money and feminine energy, I realized years ago when 
I looked to a lot of the leaders in my life, people that I loved to be around, that I would listen to books, mentors, a lot of the energy that they carried in success and overdominance in masculine energy, which for years made me believe that that's the only way to arrive to success, that you couldn't magnetize something to you and that you really had to go out there and chase and that you had to pursue, that you had to fight for it. You had to create the space for yourself. Whereas my mindset shifted deeply, I started realizing that it had a lot to do with the kinetic aspect of the body, the actual sentiment within the body, how you call in the feeling and what radiates out for so many years, lack and scarcity with myself, with clients, when I noticed it, it had a tension and it had a stress that was tightening within my entire body. When I would think about money, when I would think about bills, when I would think about anything that needed to get done, it always felt like it was outside and it was something that wasn't graspable within in a generating space. And so I think that's one of the biggest shifts that, you know, when we're thinking about feminine energy, even the nurture, you know, the womb, the seed of ideas, the seed of how we show up is very much so with what we are creating in an ability to be an unordained way of also drawing in and releasing some of the attachment. Okay. You're going in deep and I love it. So let's back up a little bit. And I can certainly relate to the chasing, the going after, the making things happen versus the allowing. But you said something about generating it from within. For my audience that may not be used to this masculine feminine way of being and speaking, and they may only perhaps even relate to the masculine way of being because For myself, for example, I didn't even know that there was any other way because I also only had mentors that were very masculine. And by mentors, I mean the books, the workshops that I've attended. And so I I didn't know that there was a feminine way of magnetizing ideal clients, success, love, anything. So what does it mean to generate from within? Mm. You know, when I've looked at like the past, the past 14 years, like sitting with clients and, you know, me and you were talking a little bit earlier about one of my clients who came yesterday, who we were talking about money initially, the stress response that came at even just the thought of money and the lack thereof triggered a whole collision of root patterns and beliefs and experiences. And I realized when I was sitting with her in that moment, We couldn't even talk about feminine and masculine energy with money until we really learned to nurture the wound. And that's the beginning phases of being able to even step into what looks like a feminine energy. Because if we don't nurture and sit with the wound, just like your mother would sit when you come home from a day at preschool or kindergarten and you're crying and she's nurturing the child in you, Those wounds are also very much so, they're so present that if we don't nurture them first and foremost to get to know them, there is no aspect of us that is really going to ever be able to radiate 
love towards that. You know, it's funny. You and I chatted just for a few minutes before we started recording, and you said nurture the wound, and it sounded really woo the first time you said it. And now that I'm hearing you say it, I'm literally understanding what you just said, to nurture the wound, that we have actual wounds. It doesn't sound woo-woo to me anymore. It sounds very practical, like you said, with a mother and a child. So what, in, in real life aspects, what, what does that mean to nurture the wounds around money? And what does that look like for someone? Yeah, absolutely. Even even just taking that same client yesterday, you know, she was talking about her photography business and she was reflecting on how she came from a different country as a refugee at the age of nine. And from there on out, it was so difficult for her mother to get a grasping in this country for her father to actually be able to provide for her and the kids. And when she looked at her business current day, it still operated from that wound that her mother carried of her entire childhood, feeling not safe in this country, feeling a sense of fear, noticing that she couldn't provide for her daughter and she felt overly dependent on a man, which then made her then instill that into her children. And we happened to have a conversation about money, but it was all interrelated into love. It was interrelated into her health. All over. And it's always interrelated. When I taught my course, the Become a High Money Magnet, it was a course around money. But when we started going into our wounds and our limiting beliefs, everyone discovered how it really was tied to everything, self-worth and the way you love yourself, the way you feel about yourself, the things that are limiting us. So it's not ever just around money. Why is that? I mean, if you think about it, it's our livelihood. It's attached to our survival mechanisms. It's attached to and ingrained to our programming. And it really is like the people who have guided us and or lack thereof guided us. Mm -hmm. And so when I'm talking about nurturing our wound, it really is like listening to that voice. What is that voice saying? And even just writing down everything that the voice is saying about money or noticing when we're talking about our spiritual gifts, really like tuning in to, are we clairsentient? Are we clairaudient? Are the things that are coming into our auditory experience, um, are they making us feel a specific type of way? And really like, or are we clairvoyant in certain aspects? So sometimes when we say money, people might get attention in their body. When we say money, sometimes people look at, they can see an image that comes into their mind about the scarcity of the numbers in their bank account or the image of them not having food growing up, you know, on their table or the image of their mother or father struggling. And so when we start distinguishing how it is that we recollect and how it is that we are associating into our narrative of money and how that's inner provided an inter experience with self and with the people around us, then that wound also has a lot of resent, tension, gratitude. So how do we begin to heal that through awareness? And then what does that work look like? 
for someone that's like, okay, I'm ready to heal my, my money wounds or my wounds around money. I think it goes into, if I were to write it down into like bullet points, awareness, and then we need identification. We need to like sit down and identify what exactly is being said. And when we then go into identification, we would then go into forgiveness, identifying where the root of that voice, that experience came and forgiveness, because then we can actually create an empathic nature to the root of who instilled that perspective and or what that person was going through in our life or that time period of what we were experiencing. So forgiveness has a lot to do with it by empathy, by getting out of our perspective of what was happening to us at that moment before we were awakened and really empathizing with the people in our lives and seeing through their lens what was happening and then recognizing the source of their wound and how that was maybe generational and circumstantial in their life. And once we recognize that, then we can now take our power back. We can now identify as to how we want to move from here on forward, knowing the voice inside of us wasn't our own. We can give it new life. We can breathe into a new story for ourselves and then have intentional action which is from a space of knowing that we don't have to control how it's going to arrive and we can allow it to show us a new face to the experience. That's really beautiful. And that's exactly what I've seen with myself and with my students in the, in, in the course that I led, that there was a lot of, honestly, at, at first I didn't expect all these emotions and memories that came up. And then the forgiveness. And I kept saying, it's not about blaming your parents because they were also programmed to say these things about money. And there was a lot of forgiveness. So what are some ways if somebody wants to work with a hypnotherapist, for example, or what are some ways that you would help someone wanting to heal these wounds? How does hypnotherapy work? Because I'll go to YouTube and you know search for a, a hypnotherapy session. But what, what really is the work of a hypnotherapist when it comes to healing wounds? Yeah, but the reprogramming of that, well, it's really powerful because in an altered state, we can create deeper changes within the mind, within the body. And so when we go into a state of hypnosis, we are very much so aware of what's happening. In fact, it's a heightened state of awareness, though what is also happening is the actual physical body is so much more relaxed that you're actually able to create a completely different experience subconsciously where you're able to imagine, to envision, you're able to recognize where your feelings within the body are, and you're also able to release. And so in the subconscious mind, because every single person retrieves information differently, they also generalize it based on their defense mechanisms. They distort information to protect themselves subconsciously. They also create a, a completely different recollection system. So in hypnosis, in that altered state, it's kind of like a guided meditation intentional for how someone retrieves their information 
and experiences the world through their sensory input. And so with hypnosis, we're able to feed back into the psyche the actual new way of operating and giving it permission to release an old program because if it was grasping to a lack there or a scarcity or a stress response, it's doing so for a protective mechanism to keep you safe. And that program, as it's moving through you and keeping you safe, is outdated to an old time period usually. And so in hypnosis, we can create a new association to your current status quo, your current way of being, and also to reiterate where you're going and growing into. I would not be able to repeat what you just said, but I I know it and I feel it from personal experience. And it's so beautiful. And I hope that anyone listening will look into hypnotherapy I think, is there still a, like a stigma around hypnotherapy or just fear that your mind is going to be controlled? Do you find that, Alta, or not really? Yeah, it's, it's actually really comical and I love playing with it because <laughs> people like, are scared and they're like, oh my God, you're going to control my mind. I'm like, absolutely. <laughs> That's so funny. But no, yeah, there is. There is a stigma. You know, I think beyond even hypnotherapy, people are scared of knowing themselves. Yes, I see that. It's a deep fear because when people are scared of knowing themselves, they can only meet themselves at the level of how deep they're willing to go. And so the thought of somebody else helping to guide them into an altered state where they don't even know what they have in the closet or they don't even know what they put under the rug, it feels taboo. And so throughout the years, I've really created a safe space for people to one have cognitive conversations mm. so that we can actually like unpackage and untangle a lot of what is happening so that then when you go into an altered state you know already that you have a safe space to be able to do so and so there is absolutely a taboo people think that you're going to control their mind that you can place suggestions in them that naturally otherwise would go against their inherent values. What would you say to someone that is afraid of the skeletons in their closet and yet wants to dig in because they feel like they're not moving forward in their life? Yeah, I think what's interesting about what we leave in the closet mm -hmm. is that it actually controls our life yes. much more than if we actually Ooh. face it. Yes, I just got goosebumps. And so even just acknowledging that and saying that, right? Absolutely. And that's why I loved your course, because mm -hmm. in your course, there's even a power, even if someone never did hypnotherapy or dived deeper on that, on that ability, just the power to open the closet and face the demons of whatever you've said to yourself, of whatever you've operated, that in itself can have a huge up level. Yes. In their life. Yes. And what I saw in the course is that there were some individuals who had not done, for example, the inner work or therapy. They didn't have prior experience with looking at the stuff in their closet. And my feeling, my impression is that they got scared. And I had to bring understanding to that. That didn't mean that they weren't growing. That didn't mean that they weren't going to manifest. 
I just had to deeply respect that this was their process and that maybe I just got chills again, that maybe if they needed to stop right here, that it takes a long time to integrate and that one day they would be able to go back and maybe take the next step. And so we never really know the effect that we have on people and everybody's path and course in life just looks very different. And so we cannot measure, you know, this person succeeded because, you know, she manifested a hundred thousand dollars or whatever. And this person didn't succeed because she stopped attending, you know, after the third, um, the third lesson, third module, because I understand fear and the time to integrate, you know, and even with fear, there's fear of dreaming. Yes, Sometimes people have so much scarcity with money and they have a deep program. They even have a fear of dreaming that their mind won't even allow them to envision what an ultimate reality could be like for them. So with them not noticing the more instant results, oftentimes it has an attachment to a lack thereof, even being able to say the words, to envision an alternate reality and that's where sometimes we may notice a little bit more of a delay in the actual manifestations outwardly, though with actually nurturing the wound, which is what you're also doing in that course, is really guiding them to see that money is a holistic way of being. And I say being because it, it shows up in shows up in value systems in so many different areas of our lives. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. The other day I ran a workshop where one of the women said, yeah, your, your workshop was more geared towards money and I'm looking more for information on self-worth. So she saw value in the workshop, but she wanted something more geared towards knowing herself and her own worth. And I was trying to say that money is tied to all of that. It's like, this is the world that we exist in where there is an exchange of money, values, just everything. And so it's all interrelated. We can't separate it. Okay, I would love to switch gears a little bit because we've talked a lot about masculine energy. We've talked about healing the wound and how we do that, how we look at our wounds. And now I'd love to talk a little bit more about feminine energy. What does feminine energy look like? To me, you embody it. I wish they could see you. Um, but just your being, like I love being around, I really love being around you um, in person and whenever we connect. But yeah, what does feminine energy look like and how can we harness that in our own lives? And I'm assuming I have some male listeners. So yeah, feminine energy. I was thinking about this earlier this morning. I went up uh, to have like a clarifying hike. And as I was hiking, I was thinking about how mothers and fathers operate with their children. And with parents, they innately know that no matter what, you're going to grow. And just that period, just by you evolving in age, just by you growing up, you're going to grow. Maybe not in the right direction, right? Without the right leadership, but you're going to grow. And I think when harnessing feminine energy, the feminine energy knows that she can radiate in and that no matter where her starting point is, she can grow and exude a completely different level of nurture towards 
her life, her business, her job, her experience, her relationships, her, her body. And that it's a fostering of an expectation that it will happen. And I think that with masculine energy, it's the opposite. There is more so a control mm -hmm. aspect and feeling that there's a forcefulness to it that it has, if I don't push you to grow in the right direction, you're not going to go versus the feminine nurture knows that it's a seed of thought, a seed of intention, and it's the seed of the womb. And so when we allow that to nurture itself, we also give it space and we don't have to helicopter it. We don't have to manhandle it, control it in any which way. It's so different. Oh my God. So you're saying that. And I just had the realization yesterday. I said to myself, I was thinking about my network marketing business with Beachbody. I said to myself, it was the first time I've ever had this thought. I said, wow, it can be easy. Why? Because before that thought came, I was wondering if I wasn't being a good enough leader because I'm not on top of people breathing over them to make sure that they're doing what they're supposed to do, masculine energy, forcing them, having a million Zoom calls. So to make sure and pushing people along. And now I'm in a different place where here I am in my feminine energy. I'm here to guide and I trust that the men and women who join are going to take the action that they want to and desire to take and that they know that I am there for them. And so then the thought came, wow, building can be easy. I spent over a decade in such masculine energy and it literally exhausted me. And so when I was promoting the last iteration of the course, I was in my feminine, but then I got into my masculine and that caused issues in my relationship. My husband's like, you need to do, remember? I was <laughs> like, oh, I texted Alta and I was like, Alta, I think I'm growing a set, a, a pair of balls um, <laughs> because I'm so used to pushing and promoting and the results and, and being results oriented And so when I noticed that I was being that way, I was like, okay, it's time to back off. It's time to like go for a walk. It's time to unplug. And then my husband had a talk with me and he was like, babe, do whatever you need to do when you're done before you come back downstairs because you're being like a dude and that's hard for us. And so this is a very new approach that I have to my manifestation business where if I don't feel like posting for four days, It's okay because we've talked about this, right? My magnetic field doesn't disappear. This is feminine energy. I trust that people will come to me. I trust that this business will grow. I trust that the right kind of people are going to find me. And yet I need a little masculine energy because I need to show up. I need to get things done. But it's been such a wonderful discovery and process and of me embracing this process of being masculine and feminine. And I have to say, Alta, you are such a huge part of my life, like more than a decade. You know, you and I have connected and we've been deep friends, but I, I really see you as, as a dear, dear friend and, and also as a guide to help me navigate this like masculine, feminine 
energy thing that that is happening in my world. And life is so much better being in both worlds, not just having a pair of balls. Absolutely. <laughs> there was like so many nuggets in what you just said, you know, and if we were to like dissect, thank you. One, thank you. I just, I receive all your love in such a deep way. And, ah. Uh, <laughs> you're, you're just honestly, your evolution in the last decade is insane and it is in your aura and it's in the soft gentleness in your smile. You can see it in your eyes. And when you were talking about your launch, the feminine is unattached to the outcome, mm -hmm. knowing already yeah. though, that you've done your best you showed up with your clear, pure heart. You set out the post with all the love and yeah. energy, and you have this energetic expectation that the universe will provide. The right people will be magnetized. They'll turn on their Instagram. Your post will be at the top, that there'll be this compelling nature within them, right people, right place, right time. And then it doesn't have to refresh the feed every two seconds or look at the inbox or message every person that has liked your post or done anything of that nature. And I think that that's a big shift, the unattached outcome and a clear vision of what it looks like versus the controlled, rigorous action that turns into a burnout because the results aren't there and the exhaustion comes in and then you're pushing beyond the means of what you naturally had felt inclined to do. Mm -hmm. Yes, that makes perfect sense to me. So let's go ahead and wrap up. What can you leave the person that is recognizes a lot of masculine energy within herself and her being around money and is ready for change, ready to not have everything be so dang hard. Mm -hmm. I think a giving is one of the ways to start healing this right away. And an exercise that I love to do to break the monotony. If someone is operating in a fear, doubt, scarcity, they usually have an energy either when they're paying their bills or they're exchanging money, doing so in a state of tension and or when they're thinking about their business in a state of tension. And the immediate way to shift that into the ability to give outward is to share what you may even feel you don't have to give. And whether that be in loving words, whether that be in finances. And so if you take even $20, $100, and you put it in singles, which money nowadays, right? We're all such a digital, such a digital energy, which goes back to perceiving money as energy. You know, when we are exchanging on different platforms and cards, and now we have our wallet, you know, we have Venmo's, we have mm -hmm. uh, PayPal's, we never even almost see the actual mm -hmm. tangibility of the paper of it. And so to take it back to a visual standpoint and to tie in the kinesthetics, the feeling of it, and to really hear that inner voice, that auditory experience, I would even invite someone to grab 20 little envelopes 
and take that $20 and put a couple dollars in each of the envelopes and write a couple affirmations that you need to hear for Mm. yourself. Money will come right back to me. Everything I give out comes multiplied. Um, The more I give, the more I receive. It feels so abundant to have this overflow, even if it's only a dollar, even if it's only 10, a hundred and give it out to random people and not expect a thank you, not expect a return and just release it with just sending that little energetic beam, knowing that if it puts a smile on their face, great. If it doesn't make an impact, powerful because you had that experience. And if you do that enough, you start to recondition the mind to think in a different way. Just like if you're on the spin bike at the gym and you're going forward, switch the direction, go backwards and see what can happen if you start switching the flow of what you perceive as giving and receiving. Because just as much as we like to receive, if we don't train the giving, we're not going to be able to value and honor the receiving as much, nor believe that it's going to come back as quickly. And so by you sending out these energetic boomerangs into the universe and giving people this little envelope and giving them this little infection of love, this injection of abundance, even on a minute scale, that deep-seated relief knowing you've done something good also positions you to now start to believe I did put a little bit of good karma out. I'm open to receiving that as well. And I believe I deserve that too. And so that belief of also positive expectation starts to shift how we operate. I love this little exercise. I got happy just thinking about it when you were talking about it. And you also bring up something and that is that we don't have to do a whole life overhaul. There are tiny little things that we do that can hugely impact our life. Okay, we have been on for longer than usual, but I really feel like we could speak for hours. You're just such a fountain and wealth of information and heart. I, and I, I love all our conversations. I'm just happy and thankful that my listeners got to experience you. So if if you guys check the show notes below, you're going to see how to find Alta on her website. She has some amazing meditations and hypnotherapy sessions, which I do. I love them. And you can also work with Alta one-on-one. And Alta, thank you so much. I loved every second. Thank you. Thank you for seeing me, for being you, for radiating love, and for the intentional posts you create to infuse your day-to-day lessons and to encapsulate them out because you are impacting so many people. And it's a pleasure as well, equally, to be in your experience. Thank you. I love you. Goodbye. We'll see you guys next week. Thank you. Did you love that episode or what? Make sure to leave me a review and let's connect over on Facebook in your empowered life community. I'll see you next time.